Hello, this is Dr. David Friedman, host of To Your Good Health Radio. With all the various diets on the market, I'm often asked, which one do I advocate? Should we eat like a caveman and go with the paleo diet or eat plant-based like a gorilla? Or should we jump on board the latest keto craze? My answer is we should eat like our great-grandparents did. You see, back then, food was clean. No one was eating antibiotics, Monsanto chemicals, artificial sweeteners, or GMO foods. Joining us today is Vani Hari, also known as the Food Babe. As one of the world's leading food activists, she's on a mission to expose the truth and bring good, healthy food back to the table. Her new book, Feeding You Lies, will help you unravel the food industry's playbook and reclaim your health. Don't go anywhere. It all starts now. It's To Your Good Health Radio with number one best-selling author and renowned wellness expert, Dr. David Friedman, changing lives just for the health of it. Our next guest founded FooBabe in 2011 to help get the message out on the hidden ingredients in our food supply. Her investigative work gained worldwide attention, influencing many Fortune 500 companies and major food giants to stop adding chemicals to their products. This list includes Kraft, General Mills, Subway, Chipotle, Chick-fil-A, and Starbucks. Time Magazine named her one of the most influential people on the Internet. She's been featured on television and in many magazines and newspapers, including the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Good Morning America, Dr. Oz, and The Doctors, just to name a few. She's the founder of Truvani, a company that offers whole food products without added chemicals and toxins. Her new book is called Feeding You Lies. Welcome back to the show, New York Times bestselling author, Vani Hari. Hey, thank you so much, David. I really appreciate it. Oh, so glad to have you back with us. You know, as a fellow food activist, I'm a big fan of your work. Share with us what inspired you to write Feeding You Lies. Yeah, you know, after getting several major multi-billion dollar food corporations to change their ingredients based on investigations that we shared on Food Babe and other folks sharing these investigations and signing petitions, you know, I became a target. Um, you know, the the food industry and the chemical industry were not happy about the progress that we were making and getting this information out and, you know, increasing public awareness about these chemicals. And so they did whatever they could to try to take me down as a messenger of change. They couldn't attack the message, so they attacked me as the messenger. And so they started to kind of, you know, band together. And these, these groups of critics would get together um, that I didn't, I couldn't prove at the time we're being paid by the chemical and food industry, but I had a hunch because their arguments, of course, um, uh, continued the propaganda from the corporations. And, you know, they were um, pro-chemical. They didn't meet a chemical they didn't like, or they were pro-GMO uh, or pro-chemical. I mean, one critic I remember said that Roundup is so safe that he would drink it. I mean, these are the types of critics that were making it um, in the mainstream media, and they were painting me as a pseudoscientist and as someone who didn't have um, any background in science. And so they they really wanted to convince the public that, you know, I was just stupid and didn't know what I was talking about, and so that other people wouldn't see the truth that is behind a lot of these chemicals and processed foods that we are consuming every single day. So around this you know, period of time. It was after my book, my first book came out, The Food Babe Way, and was on the New York Times bestsellers list for many weeks. And 
uh, this really scared the food industry. And so they, you know, did whatever they could to plant different stories in the media about me and trying to discredit me as a messenger. And it was at this point in time that I realized that this is actually what the food industry does to actually convince us that their unhealthy foods are healthy as well. They actually hire experts and independent-looking people to um, spout their propaganda. And um, one of the ways that I proved this was actually um, working with a nonprofit organization, U.S. Right to Know, who submitted Freedom of Information Act requests to prove that a lot of these um, quote-unquote experts were actually working with corporations. And the way that they figured this out was to use this right that we have as Americans to ask for public records. And so they started with public university professors who were being um, kind of paraded through different media articles that would have the point of view of being pro-chemical, pro-food industry, um, not pro-consumer. And they started with that, and one of the um, uh, professors was actually caught red-handed working with Monsanto, colluding with them, and also taking funding from them. And this was kind of the the first, um, I, you know, chance that I, I was able to see um, just right there in black and white how these industry experts work with uh, the food and chemical corporations to continue lying to us as the public, to continue to get us to believe that their products are safe. And th- these are these are tactics right out of the tobacco playbook that they used to do when they try to convince us that cigarettes wouldn't kill us, that it wasn't, you know, giving us lung cancer and they weren't addictive. And so they're using the exact same playbook. And they've really hoodwinked a lot of different really good journalists out there who are great writers, um, but they've, you know, they've really, you know, I've been, I can't tell you how many countless times that I've been interviewed for a piece on, you know, a chemical that I want banned or, you know, a campaign that I was having and someone would say, hey, you know, there's this third-party independent university professor that says, you don't know what you're talking about, how do you respond? And I would say to these reporters, like, you need to dig a little deeper because they're obviously part of the food lobby. Like, there's no reason why they would be supporting these unnecessary chemicals in our food when these food companies are reformulating their products overseas without these chemicals can make their products completely fine. And when you look at the studies, at the animal studies for a lot of these chemicals, you know, there are risks associated with them. They cause cancer or autoimmune disorder or leukemia or, you know, a lot of these really horrible diseases. And just given the fact that our country is just undeniably sick, the amount of heart disease and diabetes and cancer should make us, you know, take a look back and kind of see, you know, are these chemicals uh, and the cumulative effect of these chemicals harming us as, as humans? You know, we're part of this big, massive experiment here in the United States. Over the last 50 years, there's been ten over 10,000 food chemicals put into our food supply. These chemicals largely have only been invented to improve the bottom line of the food industry. So these food scientists aren't creating these chemicals to, like, make our bodies healthier or provide more nutrition or, you know, make us feel great. These are actually additives that the food companies use so that they can make more money. So once people realize that and you see that and you and you realize that 
there's no one actually doing independent third-party testing on these chemicals that have been approved for use. I mean, there's this underlying assumption that the FDA is out there, like, testing all of these chemicals, and they look at the safety, and they, they you know, have this stamp that says generally regarded as safe. Well, they're actually getting that data from the food companies themselves. They don't have the capabilities of to test this independently of the food companies. The food companies create the chemical. They test the chemical in a very short-term study, like three, six months, nine months, and they say, oh, it's safe. And no one's looking at the long-term impacts of a lot of these chemicals. And thankfully, there are some independent studies coming out about a lot of the chemicals that have been uh, put into our food supply that show risks. And so people are becoming aware and choosing more organic, non-processed foods. And that's why you see such a huge rise um, in terms of the awareness about ingredients and why people care and why it's amazing that a company like Anheuser-Busch would promote ingredients uh, uh, transparency on the freaking Super Bowl this year. And, you know, this is a result of uh, an amazing campaign we started four years ago to, to, to really show people what's in alcohol. Yeah, let me ask you, why does the food industry add chemicals that are also used, let's say, to make detergent, paint, antifreeze, and yoga mats? Does somebody do a taste test one day and say, um, needs a little salt and maybe a few drops of butylated hydroxyanisol? <laughs> when does that come into play? Yeah, Again, I mean, <laughs> yeah, a lot of these chemicals obviously are not 100% just used for food. They're used in other things. Um, you know, a great example of, of uh, a chemical that was used uh, in Subway's bread and, and just about every bread company, I felt like used this chemical at one point. Now they don't because of the campaign I started, but uh, to increase awareness about this chemical, it's called azodicarbonamide. It's banned all over the globe. If you caught, got caught using it in Singapore, you got fined, you know, four hundred fifty thousand dollars or something. And this is because when it's heated, it turns into a carcinogen, but. You also can use it in yoga mats and rubber and shoe rubber, and it creates these, like, beautiful, evenly dispersed air bubbles. Like, if you look at a yoga mat on its side, you can see those little air bubbles in there, really, really small. Well, it does the same thing in bread, so it makes a uniform piece of bread. So every time you buy a Subway sandwich or whatever, that piece of bread, it would be uniform, and it wouldn't have these big holes that you would get when you, you know, bake a bread from scratch at home or a bakery. And so... They wanted to create this uniform bread, and thankfully they've removed this largely from the American food supply. It's very hard to find that chemical now, but um, it is something that uh, people need to be aware of, that these chemicals are created for multiple different uses, and then they end up in our food as well to make a food perform better, to have a specific feel, to have longer shelf life to create addiction. And this is something I talk about in my book, Feeding You Lies. A lot of people are not aware of the different chemicals that are put into our food to actually create addiction to the food itself so that we keep buying it, the food companies keep making money, and we're really not doing anything in terms of improving our health. Right. And, you know, so many people out there listening, they believe the FDA is America's watchdog group with a mission to protect consumers. You know, they put them on this pedestal that if it's in a box, it's in a can, it's safe. It's been approved. It's been looked at. Share with us why we can't rely on the FDA to police our food and dietary supplements. We really have to look in the mirror. That's who we have to rely on. 
Yeah, I mean, there's really no one looking out for the safety of our food in terms of uh, ingredients that are being put into our foods. Again, you know, the food companies themselves create these chemicals, they test the chemicals themselves, and then they submit the data to get rubber stamped by the FDA. I mean, that's really how it works. So it's really up to us to become our own health and food investigator and know the ingredients that we're eating. You know, I have this very simple three-question detox in the book that I think is so important for everyone to just sit down and, and consciously do every single time they eat. You need to ask yourself, number one, what are the ingredients? What is it that I'm eating? And if I don't understand an ingredient and I don't know what it is, I need to find out and figure out if this is something I really want to be putting in my body. Number two, you ask, are these ingredients nutritious? Now, if you're eating a piece of bread and it's got monodiglycerides in it, and you're asking yourself, is that ingredient nutritious? Mm, it's really not. It's actually a sneaky way, which you learned in my book, it's a sneaky way for the food companies to still continue to put trans fats in our food with, that, with trans fats being banned. Because it has very minimal uh, trans fats, and it kind of acts like that um, in the product. And so... Once you ask yourself, you know, are these ingredients nutritious, you become very clear on, like, are the majority of ingredients that I'm eating actually serving my body? And then the third question I want people to ask is, where do the ingredients come from? It's very important to know whether, are they created in a laboratory, in some chemical factory, or are they coming from a factory farm, from cows that are being fed genetically engineered grain? And things like Skittles, yeah, old candy in this, in this country actually gets sent off to cattle farms uh, so that cattle can get fat. And so they'll have more meat and they can make more money. Um, and or, you know, is it coming from, you know, is your meat coming from a grass fed farm where cattle are, you know, being raised appropriately on the pasture? Um, these are the questions people need to ask every single time they sit down to eat and choose what to eat. Yeah. You know, I thoroughly enjoyed reading your book. Each chapter is a jaw dropper. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, you pull back the curtain, you expose a lot of dirt and deceit. Is there anything during your research that kind of left you shaking your head in disbelief? Was there one like, what, that got you? Yeah, I think, you know, the biggest thing that we need to be aware of as consumers and the thing that's going to make us so smart so that the next time the food industry tries to convince us of something, we can see right through it, uh -huh. is to learn these different ways the food industry uses the media and organizations to, pr to promote their propaganda. And a great example of this happened very recently when headlines everywhere said, coconut oil isn't healthy and it's never been. I mean, this was, you know, at the top of the USA Today, all over social media, in every newspaper. And even my mom texted me, hey, what's going on with coconut oil? I thought it was healthy. This was a campaign that the canola and corn industry fed through an, uh, an organization that sounds like such a reputable, incredible organization, the American Heart Association, you know, somebody who's looking out for our hearts. But this is an association to get funding from actually food and chemical corporations. People don't understand that. And so when they hear these recommendations come out of an organization like that, they automatically assume that it's credible, but it's actually not. And when you looked behind the scenes, you saw that the two researchers that were looking at the data were being paid by the canola and corn industry, and Unilever also was 
behind the the um, campaign to, to discredit coconut oil because coconut oil has become so popular because people understand that it's a safer fat to, to cook with versus the inflammatory causing corn, canola, and soy oils that are produced very cheaply in this country and make, you know, um, people a lot of money because, you know, all these crops are available very cheaply because of the subsidies that the government allows. Yeah, you know, and I love that you bring this up and in, in, about biased research. I spell that B-U-Y-A-S-E-D. It's bought and paid for. And it was so exciting. I saw in your, your, your book, you began your chapter, as I did my book, with a study conducted by PLOS Medical Journal. And after analyzing scientific studies, they concluded the findings are swayed toward the funding party four to eight times more than research having no conflict of interest. That's powerful. Share with the listeners why it's so important to follow the money. And, and then you, you talk about overseas where they don't have to add these chemicals, but here they do. How do we need to follow the money? Yeah, I mean, I think it's very important for people to realize when they hear a new study or hear new data about what they should be eating or even a new diet, that they research it and find out who's making these recommendations. Are these people selling these products behind the scenes to try to get you to to buy, you know, these supplements so that they, you're, you go on the keto diet or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. are these people, um, uh, you know, really just, you know, do they have a motive behind the scenes? And you can really figure that out. And you can just use your common sense by just doing some quick Google searches, finding out who the authors uh, of these people, you know, w- what they're writing. And, you know, it's really, really clear um, once you start to, you start to go through the different examples in the book and, and you become your own health investigator. And so you just start to ask questions, you know, who funded it? What, you know, what was their, what was their outcome? And then, and then you can kind of then make a judgment and use your common sense and say, you know, is this, is this fake news or is this real health news that I should be applying to my own life? Um, I think one of the most maddening things that is happening is, is a story that is too, I mean, it's, it's so controversial that I, I could not even get a mainstream newspaper to write about it, is that food companies are reformulating their products with different ingredients overseas, but um, are using uh, a lot of, of controversial chemicals here in the United States. And so they've figured out, like I'm talking the things that are in every restaurant, like Heinz ketchup, uh, the Heinz ketchup here, high fructose corn syrup, corn syrup, natural flavors, all sorts of additives. Then you go and you look in the UK and Europe and you see their Heinz ketchup and it's made with sugar, just plain old sugar. Um, they don't use any natural flavors. It's a very basic ingredient list. It's actually how you'd probably make ketchup in your own kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that, you know, those stark differences, I mean, and this runs the gamut, not just with Heinz, but it's, you know, with McDonald's, it's with um, Mars candy, it's with Kellogg's, it's with, you know, Frosted Flakes. Uh, uh, across the gamut, you know, food companies have figured out a way to make their food with less chemicals overseas. And we're getting the short end of the stick. It's completely unethical that these food companies are doing this. And the FDA is allowing them to get away with it. Yeah, it's awful. I, I know uh, you're not a fan of GMO foods, but there's such a huge movement out there saying that they're the most tested, they're safe, they reduce pesticide use, and they're our best bet to adapt to changing global conditions. Share with us, why are they feeding us such lies? 
Yeah, you know, I'm not against the the biotechnology of food. Like, I think there's probably going to be some great advances in biotechnology that improve maybe nutrition of food, or, you know, there could be something that actually is scientifically great for us. Right now, the majority of GMO foods that are in our food supply have been invented to do one thing, and that is to withstand heavy, heavy applications of Roundup which is now considered a carcinogen, a probable carcinogen by the World Health Organization and the International Agency for Research on Cancer. And, uh, you know, people are winning lawsuits against Monsanto in proving that, you know, their juries are coming back and saying that these chemicals have caused people cancer. And so we have to pay attention to what we're consuming and what we're allowing to be sprayed on our food. And that's why I avoid GMO foods because I don't, I want to avoid the chemicals that are being sprayed on them. And I think that's what people need to realize. And it's not just GMO foods that these chemicals are being sprayed on. They're also being sprayed on conventional food. So it's very important for you to, when you go out and you buy a product that you see, if you see a non-GMO label, don't automatically assume that that's a good food that you should buy. You need to also look for USDA certified organic because organic prohibits the use of these synthetic pesticides and herbicides. Right. That makes sense. It's a good point to bring up because a lot of people just, they don't know how to read labels and find which way to go. So that's a good point. Uh, you created, you know, a movement that, in my opinion, it's a David and Goliath story. I mean, you've gone head to head, little tiny you in North Carolina, you've gone head to head against Monsanto, the FDA, Fortune 500 companies, lobbyists, politicians. I'm curious, what motivates you to keep those boxing gloves on and not throw in the towel? You know, it's hard. It's, I, I constantly have to look within and see that the mission is so much bigger than myself that I that makes me keep going. And, and I just think back to the way I used to feel. Um, you know, I was walking around like a zombie eating these foods, not paying attention to ingredients and just, you know, really being trusting of the information that I was being fed by the media about health and food and diet. And, you know, I trusted a lot of people and you just you can't trust them it is unfortunate and that's why it's really important for you to recognize that you have to become your own health investigator your own health advocate it's the time is now that we need to take back the power we cannot outsource our decisions about our body to the food or chemical corporations any longer and when I did, when I was allowing that to happen, because I, you know, had two very naive parents that came here from from India, very trusting of the American food supply, they thought, you know, all the processed foods were helping them feed their family. They didn't realize that it was garbage and and full of chemicals that could be harming my body. And when I changed my diet, I mean, I went off, you know, eight to nine prescription drugs, you know, depending upon the season, I was taking that many. Um, just to control asthma and allergies and all sorts of issues that I had. And to think that I was just spending all of that money on prescription medication when I could have just been eating better, uh, you'll save a lot of money, too, when you, when you start to eat better because you'll start to go to the doctor less. You'll start to not need as much, you know, medication in order to, like, you know, put Band-Aids on all of your different symptoms. And if people recognize that and realize that, I think they would just – they would they would know the beauty of it. And I just have so much work to do because even my own family, you know, people in my own family, they're still drinking Mountain Dew. You know, they're still they're still having the Diet Coke. I have 
so much work to do. So until <laughs> I can try to convince everybody that they need to just let go of these bad habits, I don't think my work will ever be done. That's right. I want to share something that a friend of mine, John Travolta, told me years ago. He asked me, how does somebody truly know if they're a success? And what a great question coming from one of the most successful people on the planet. Of course, I guess recognition, wealth, being loved. He said, no, you know you're a success when you are attacked. That's when you know you've made it to the top and you're making an <laughs> impact on the world. And Vani, when I see these websites and Facebook groups and even entire books devoted to attacking you, I always smile because it means your movement is making a profound impact on the world. So we're very happy you're keeping those boxing gloves on and not going down for the count. Thank you so much, David. I really appreciate that. That's great. I'm a proud member of the Food Babe Army. I hope everybody gets this book, and I wish you continued success. You're welcome back anytime. So much more we could cover. Always a pleasure to get your copy of Feeding You Lies. Go to feedingyoulies.com. And to stay up to date with all the latest from Bonnie Hari, go to foodbabe.com. And be sure and check out her latest blog post and healthy recipes and video library. Also, sign up for her free weekly newsletter with all the latest food news you can use. You can follow Vani on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Food Babe. And for my daily Facebook and Twitter posts, follow me at Dr. David Friedman. On Instagram, I'm at Dr. D. Friedman. If you heard Vani share something today that would benefit somebody you know, send them a link to this podcast. It's available at toyourgoodhealthradio.com or radiomd.com. And while there, be sure and check out our podcast library and share these segments with friends, family, co-workers, and on social media. Sharing is carrying this important information. Don't keep it to yourself. Get out there, share it. You can also subscribe to future podcasts at iHeartRadio and iTunes. More to come. Stay tuned and stay well.